Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of TapCap Transmissions, the only Star Wars podcast that is covering Crisis at Crystal Reef this very instant. That's got to be true, right? I I can't imagine that there's another one doing it right now. Mm-hmm. So how are you today, Corey? Uh, I was fine until I started thinking about how many missed podcast opportunities there are out there for all the fans of Crisis at Crystal Reef. Mm-hmm. We could turn this into a daily series, just talking about a, a different sentence in the book each time. I was th- I was thinking page, but yeah, that will only take us like half a year or so. So yeah, like if we but... did a twice a week podcast about a page, then mm-hmm. we're done after next mm-hmm. Christmas. Yeah. So hope everyone's having a great a great old day. Um, this is it's bittersweet for me because we're covering the final Young Jedi Knights book today. Oh, I just accidentally read. Twitch. We're covering the young, the final Young Jedi Knights book today. So the end of a fourteen episode slash book long adventure. How are you feeling about that, Corey? Well, I'm personally feeling like this being the end of our Young Jedi Knights coverage will leave a hole in my life. But mm-hmm. I hope everyone's uh, tuning into this video or stream or audio podcast uh, sponsored by our friends at Product. Thinking about mm-hmm. all the good times we've had throughout the last fourteen books. Learning mm-hmm. about uh, the different things that anuses could do every episode. As we go on, we remember all the anuses introduced so, by Weird Kerning. <laughs> I was so, like, making that up half sentence. I was like, where am I going with this? Where am I going with this? <laughs> who knows where you're going with this? Much like mm-hmm. who knows where the arms will get turned into anus in each book. And yeah, here so, it was Jaina wrapping her anus. It was the best by far. The book came through. So for those who don't know, we read a digitized version of the book. And because of kerning is like how letters fit together. Sometimes, you know how like an R and an M could look like an, it just like if the letters are close enough, you could a, a computer scanning it could misconstrue it. Well, arm arms gets turned into anus. A few times and in this book uh it, it works out really well because it's Jaina solo wrapping her anus around zach um, <laughs> this is the most we're going to talk about any part of this book tonight so i don't know mm-hmm. if we should really be yeah well i mean we should just get out of the way because it's, it's the thing everyone's going to want to know our opinion on so like the physics of that like because the anus isn't when like, i when i asked suits. you to start a star wars podcast or when we individually each of us had the same idea Mm-hmm. independently to do this mm-hmm. this isn't what i had in mind i'm just wow. throwing that out there life i didn't think you, this is what like it would. life takes you to funny places you're like probably in your dreams you're like imagining like oh discussing the finer nuances of like the battle of bill bringing or some shit like yeah all the times it would come up and all the like different references and making what deep it means cuts to, to all like, of us instead we're talking yeah. about jana's wrapping her anus around zek yeah and I just want to, I just want to know how I want to know how insane that is because an anus is of one specific part of the body. Like wrapping her butt cheeks around Zach would still be impressive, but not as impressive because the anus yeah. is like just the butthole. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. That is, that is accurate. And it's like it's a it's a kind of narrow area too, so it's like 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 not on Jane, just like anatomically. <laughs> It's a limited definition of the body, so yeah, that's that's true. And well, Zek we, is always described as being large. So yeah, well, Zek. The first time we noticed it was when Zek crossed his anus. So. <laughs> Something it's weird going Zek. on at Luke's Jedi Praxium. Someone needs to talk about that. <laughs> that's what we're here for. Yeah. Well, All I'm right. glad we're exposing it. There's a lot going on at Luke's Jedi Praxium in this uh, series. Uh, it starts off with just a clearly withdrawing child, yep. like having the drug sweats, like no one's doing a thing. Luke seems to be fully aware of it. Yeah. Um, just going yeah, all on the, the adults ground. based on Lando's comments last time are like, yeah, you know, your, your friend's on crack, right? <laughs> like, yeah, well, we've been told it's like, what is she doing? Oh, she's kind of just staying in an old temple. Sleeping on mossy floor. Yeah. It's like well, not a big deal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what the, the current literature on uh, breaking addiction 
says about just going cold turkey. I don't know if that's what you're supposed to do or not. I mean, probably not alone with no support. Well, she, like... she's with a bunch of young Jedi Knights and with Silgal, who's probably not an old Jedi Knight. Like, she's a Jedi healer. Mm-hmm. She just See, that seems like toxins, a good... So it's, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I think, like, Fate of the Jedi Silgal, who'd probably had, like, some mental health training as well. Yeah. Like, would have been okay for this, but, like, Silgal... Silgal in this state? Probably not. Like... Cause she, cause like, there's that one moment where she's like got the vial of space crack in her in her hand. Or this was this, this was actually, yeah, this was actually not this was space cocaine because it wasn't the cheap stuff. Um, and she's like, "Do I take it?" And she ends up throwing it away. But you know, that's just circumstance. Like, yeah. like if she had been addicted for longer, she wouldn't have like, like you know, if she had a would have had a fight with Jason a couple seconds ago, then yeah. yeah. I do think, like, especially for a kid's book, it doesn't do a terrible job talking about addiction. And especially the scene where she's thinking, like, oh, uh, I thought it couldn't happen to me, but it can. Mm -hmm. uh, but it also doesn't mean you're weak. Like, mm -hmm. I thought that was handled pretty well, even though the yeah, specifics of uh, the actual mechanics of drug abuse. And the fact that you have, like, a magic wizard fix it for you at the end, and it's really mm. one moment of struggle. And then they kind of hinted the fact that it's going to be something she struggles with afterwards but it's really all put into mm -hmm. that one area but I, I think overall i i appreciate the way that was done but yeah i mean it's like you, you can't like really have a scene where she's like selling her household furniture for like space crack um yeah. but yeah i mean it was i thought it was pretty well done too it's like yeah i i, I did like how it was like they didn't shy away from the fact that she is being used like she's purposefully yeah. addicted to crack to i keep saying crack it's not crack it's spice yes it's, um it's but the i i keep calling it crack because the idea of like a crack addicted sea monster like now existing in the oceans of mon calamari is like too funny to not well this like, is like well you know how all those uh late 90s to early 2000s cereal commercials were where like Mm -hmm. Two can't. None of them are allowed to have the cereal, but they're all jonesing for it. This mm -hmm. sea monster is why you don't give the cereal mascots the cereal. This is what mm -hmm. happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's one hundred percent true. Um, and yeah, like I just, I just love that for the book. Uh, what was the title I suggested we give this episode? Um, but I don't know something something about a cracked out sea monster, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll look that up. But what what were your what were your thoughts on the book as a whole before we get into the, the well? Before we get into anything, plot. do we have any news we want to talk about? I'm just I'm I don't browsing my. So. I, I save some stuff throughout the week usually, but I don't think I've really got much this week. Yeah, there's um, like the the first inklings of maybe something game related being announced in December, but I don't mm -hmm. think there's anything really to say. It's about probably that. gonna be a mobile game. Let's be honest, or just like an fucking an expansion for something. I don't think it'll be. Mm-hmm. An extra yeah, downloadable just... character in Lego Star Wars Battles. Yeah, I'm just looking. I mean, what, the big thing is like there's the, going to be that big work stoppage. Um, I forget which union it is, um, but one of the film unions is having a big strike. So that will, based on my understanding, it only impacts things which are like in the current um, like production. Mm -hmm. So the book of Boba Fett should be spared um kenobi should be spared cassian should be spared and i think they're done all of those maybe not kenobi but the mandalorian season three which obviously has had its share of kind of delays and behind the scenes stuff um that will probably uh deal with perhaps even another delay but some work stoppage yeah. um so that's nothing to look forward to but something to uh to note yeah, another thing too related to I'm just read. I saw this on Star Wars leaks today. This is less a Star Wars thing, but Hawkeye, which is kind of another Marvel show, was scheduled to end on the same week that Book of Boba Fett begins. And what they decided to do instead was double up the Hawkeye season premiere with two episodes on the same date, which to me is actually kind of a big thing because 
I imagine when they're deciding how a premiere is structured, they probably put a pretty big hook on it to at least keep people going into episode two. Because I imagine yeah. one of the metrics they look at is like carryover from episode one to episode two. Um, so to have them doubling up that speaks to me that they're pretty confident about the book of Boba Fett. Um, I mean, obviously they don't want their things to collide. It's going to be inevitable, I think, next year when there's going to be like Star Wars all the time and Marvel all the time. Yeah. Um, but Robert Rodriguez says, I don't know if you saw the interview with him, but he was also like fully pumping the tires of Book of Boba Fett. Like, and for me, it was kind of refreshing because he was like this. He, like, he basically said, like, this shit's going to blow your mind. It's amazing. Like, he was like, it's amazing. Um, so whereas like a lot of the times, you know, whether it's Star Wars or whatever else, people will just be like, oh, we hope people will like it. We made it for the fans, etc. And, and he was just like, no, this is going to be sick. So, yeah. I think that's like a, a thing that he he's more prone to do. This is his personality type rather than... Mm-hmm. So, it should be exciting, yeah. by the way, because like... It, it'll it be pretty action-packed, I assume, based mm-hmm. on his episode of The Mandalorian and other stuff he's done. Mm-hmm. So, it should at least be a lot of fun to watch. But. Yeah. Yeah. I am kind of upset about Hawkeye as a show. I don't want. Uh, I don't want that much. I Jeremy really Renner. don't like Jeremy Renner at all. Yeah. I I put out a tweet, and I was like, when the show was announced, no, or maybe it was announced before that, but there was some news about it, and I was like, if Disney can make people, or if if like if people watch a Hawkeye show, like Disney will know they can get people to watch anything. And there were a lot of people who disagreed. Like I I I just Jeremy Renner to me comes off as like completely unlikable. Like, have you have I, you seen any of his music? No, no, but he does, uh, like, he does music. I forget what the fact genre, that you tell but... me that. Like, I'm not, I'm not surprised. It's probably like, I don't know. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but it's just like mm-hmm. maybe it's just his character. But like Jeremy, if you're listening, buddy, I'm sorry. Like, come on the podcast. We we can hash it out. You can come play Burial Card if you want. But um, it's just, and to me, it's just like the most the least interesting character. Like, whenever I watch anything with Hawkeye, in it, I'm like, how is he carrying the, this many arrows? Because, like, in the Avengers, like, when he's, like, on those monsters in the first movie, like... He, he runs he's... out in Ultron. Okay, well, there you go. They do they do mention that he's the least useful Avenger. But then they try to paint it as, like, he's the one that keeps them all together. It's like, no, he's not. Mm-hmm. He is, yeah, like, like he was Black the first Widow's one who... back best friend, but that's about it. Yeah, and this is kind of a problem that I have. Okay, and like that scene in the the last Avengers where it's like they're both trying to be the one that kills themselves was like the sh- the cheesiest thing ever. Yeah, I think we talked about that on the podcast before, maybe. Yeah, well, I just like me and Dana are watching through all the MCU stuff, and we literally just finished Endgame, mm-hmm. so I just had to watch that again. And if not for the fact that. Like, Hawkeye has a family. It would have been like, no, yeah, just do it. Go. Yeah. And, yeah. For me, it's just too, like... I guess it's my overall problem is, like... I didn't really like Endgame. Oh, I mean, I liked it, but I didn't like how they used... Like, the snap is kind of emotionally weightless because you you know it's all gonna be undone. So, like... But that, that kind of, like, neutered the movies a little bit for me. The saddest um, parts are watching like Chadwick Boseman do stuff. The saddest part from yeah, yeah, oh yeah, in, in hindsight totally. Yeah. Um but like for me it would be like I'm married to Linda Cardellini, Cardellini and I'm going to be without her for 3 years like like she she's hot like that's all I'm saying. When, anyway, when we came out of Endgame from the theater, one of my friends was talking about how seeing Gwyneth Paltrow like leaning down to talk to Tony as he's dying. And he's like the only thing I could think of her saying was, I've got a jade egg in my vagina. <laughs> yeah, for me, like, if if I were Tony and, like, dying and Gwyneth Paltrow came over, I would just be like, like, like I'd be out. Like, like I'd be, like, pretending I was dead even if I wasn't already. <laughs> Mr. Stark, like, can, you, can you check like, out my Just show my, me a picture my of my kid, please. Like, goop.com? I don't want to see you. Let me see my daughter. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I was watching the uh, the NHL. This is how little there is to talk about in this book, but I was watching the uh, NHL on TNT broadcast last night. Um, they TNT, who does like they they do NBA games. They got like Charles Barkley and stuff. Does the NBA? NBA on TNT is like a very very successful show. So they got rights to the NHL this year, and it's been very exciting because everyone's kind of hoping that 
versus like NBC had it. All their halftime shows are very stuffy and boring. And um, so TNT, they got a guy from a podcast I listened to named Paul Bissonnette. Uh, he's like a very funny hockey player, not super good or anything when he played in the NHL, kind of a fourth line guy. So they got him next to Wayne Gretzky, who's obviously like the greatest hockey player of all time, then some other panel guys. And the big thing last night is they were having, uh, they had like a shootout where Charles Barkley, who was a famous basketball player and a very funny uh, personality, was trying to save Wayne Gretzky's shots. And there was a, a really funny camera angle from inside the net where it was just Charles Barkley's ass. Like his ass, he, like he's huge. He was called the round mound of rebound when he was in the NBA because he's just a really big dude. And um, and Bissonnette called it the hoop cam, like as in <laughs> like the butthole. And like I heard that. I was watching that next to Kelsey in bed and she was asleep and I just fucking burst out laughing over hoop cam and she was like, what is it? And I was like, I wouldn't be able to explain it to you even if I tried. Um... Yeah. All right. Well, this is when people get get upset at us for going too far off topic. We covered the Star Wars news; it brought us into Marvel and brought us back around. I just thought Hoop Cam was uh, relevant to the discussion we were having earlier. The arms, the arms thing. We're talking about hoops all episode. It's bringing us back into the arms of young Jedi Knights. Uh, So, what what did you think about the book compared to the other ones? I think we both said uh, Trouble at Cloud City was our favorite so far. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, how'd this stack up for you? This wasn't my least favorite, but it definitely wasn't. Okay, this is the finale of the series. Mm-hmm. Maybe the, I'm I'm going to guess that maybe Kevin J. Anderson didn't know that this was like he may have thought there would be another. No, arc, perhaps? I don't think so because like the you way it think? ends and it's all tied together even mentions like the three arcs that they went through. Yeah, I, but if I you think, think it about was. it, you're you're right on the three arcs thing, but the other ones kind of had sentimental endings as well, like. Maybe not to this degree, though. Because, like, the second one was the birth, the big birthday party. The first one, I can't really remember, but I think they're just hanging out. But you're right. Maybe he didn't know. But if he didn't, then it's really bizarre that he would split all the characters up for an entire right? book, right? Well, that was the thing that I was saying is, like, for, the, for me to really like the next one, it's going to need, like, a lot more character interactions with the main ones. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the book immediately splits them up and they don't come back together until the end. They're each yeah. doing entirely different things, and there's such a focus on Anya still instead of the main four. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even there, it's kind of weird, because you'd think part of Anya's story should be the fact that she gets to confront Zethros, mm-hmm. and that'd be some sort of, like, and she doesn't, uh, the yeah. culmination of her storyline and, like, showing him she doesn't need him anymore, she's not part of whatever plans. But, like, there's no interaction between the two of them. I don't think anyone even tells her that Zethros is done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I would have liked to see, for one, you're right, they totally mismanaged that. And they also, like, they should have made this book a little bit longer. I think it was actually one of the shortest books of yeah. all of them. Um, and, like, I always talk about how I like the the scenes that are just very young Jedi Knights-like, like, that are yeah. kind of, like, fancy, like, just just fun, like, you know... You have the scenes of them in the forest as the ones I always talk about in the jungle or doing on some adventure. Like, they completely skip all that stuff. And they're on... It seems like the book is on a, on a big rush to talk about some plot thread. But the plot ends up being... Especially the one that Jaina... Or, sorry, that Jason and... Like, it's Jason, Tenelka, Zek, and Anya. Their plot is nothing. Like, like they do pretty much nothing. They go underwater and they get attacked by a sea monster. who And the sea monster does crack. Like, that's literally their entire story. Yeah, well, he um, they get uh, they get Lucan and Leia booking at a at a new hotel, and maybe what Kevin Anderson thought and Rebecca Molista is that when Han, Leia, and Luke go there, Han and Leia make another generation mm. of even younger Jedi Knights. <laughs> yeah, I do like how we got the junior Jedi Knights tie in at the end too. Yeah, with Ikrit Tahiri, so mm-hmm. that does kind of like show the make period the books over are over. Because, mm-hmm. like, Anakin wasn't at the Academy yet when uh, no. the book started. And mm-hmm. now we're getting, like, hints of his adventures with the Heary and Ikrit. Mm-hmm. But there's so all these characters. Like, the next thing any of these characters do is, is NJO. <laughs> like, it goes from yeah, this it... to just they're fucking dead. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize this, but um, I was interested. Rebecca Moista writes Junior Jedi Knights as well. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um so I, I assume at some point we'll we'll um, pick those up, but yeah, she didn't. I don't think Kevin J. Anderson had anything to do with 
with uh, Young Jedi Knights, just kind of, or sorry, Junior Jedi Knights, just kind of interesting there. Um, but yeah, it, it is very bittersweet, which is why, and obviously they didn't know this was coming because these books were written, I think, in like 96, 97. Obviously, they didn't know the dark kind of things that were coming, but yeah. I, I would have liked if they would have slowed down a little bit and like let them be kids for a bit in the book. Well, this is something I think uh, we've talked about in prior episodes, and I was definitely talking about it on the stream recently, but like the some of the relationships between all of them, especially Jason and Tenel Ka, this is like mm-hmm. as far as that goes, because like Jason, as soon as the NJO starts, he's already all broody, but then mm-hmm. he meets Danny Kui, and that's kind of his mm-hmm. romantic interest throughout uh njo except for during star by star when, and then later on when yeah. they hook up yeah well that's only in dark nest that they kind of get back together so this is like jason giving her the necklace is like the the end mm-hmm. of their happy times before yeah even a year later i think that uh and NJ, like njo doesn't start super long after this ends no i i think it's i think it's two years maybe yeah so yeah it's uh 23 aby so the vong war starts 24 right yeah yeah so things are about to get dark um and yeah it would have been it it does kind of suck too that like i anya doesn't get any feature later on like i was hoping for a bit more of her story that like i might have read in njo and not remembered but no she doesn't really get featured anymore um I mean, she's not the most interesting character in my mind. She's, I think, probably the worst of the kind of add-on characters. Obviously, Zek is the best, and then, but, yeah. Yeah, actually, I think, like, Zek is the best in a vacuum, but then Zek's problem ends up being that Kip Dern exists, mm-hmm. and, like, really, there's no one to blame but himself for that, because he was made by the same author. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, Kevin J. Anderson knew what he was going to do with that, so... Like, Zek gets yeah. kind of neutered and sidelined in NJO. He doesn't really do anything other than, remember that time I was dark? No one mm. should do that again. I, yeah. like, kicked someone once. It's terrible. Yeah, but it, then he gets some play in um, Swarm War. Yeah, well, he's used as a character, but he, like, he doesn't... He just kind of exists to simp for mm-hmm. Gina, and then... Mm-hmm. Like, that becomes his entire personality, mm-hmm. and... Like, Kip is doing that, too. So, like, there's literally nothing that Zek does that Kip doesn't also do at some point. He's a little less creepy. <laughs> it is less creepy for Zek than the whole Kip. Because like, Kip's, Kip like, a decade Jana, older. Yeah, the Kip and Jane relationship in NJO is really fucking messed up. Mm-hmm. Like, as much hey, as we talk about the, uh, you do what the you do stuff, during which yeah, is pretty no, fucked I... up, like, yeah. the, the Kip stuff is fucked up. Not just the age difference, the fact that, like, Kip is manipulating Jaina the whole, like, throughout the Mm -hmm. start of their relationship, like, their relationship as people, not relationship, relationship. And he's in a position of authority as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Luke giving Kip a seat on the council, even without, like, I'm perfectly willing to accept the whole, it was XR Kun and not Kip that blew up Karita, and Mm -hmm. it's just like, oh, we want an outside voice, but, like, everything Kip does... It's actually really shitty. Mm-hmm. And maybe don't give him one of the top six positions in the order. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. Um, especially, yeah, because, I mean, obviously you want discussion among Jedi, but Kip's kind of like, let's just kill everybody. Yeah. Well, yeah. just the way the Kip treats the people who work for him in it, he does get much better and just in the later parts of it. But the mm-hmm. only reason he gets better there is because he becomes like, completely deferential to luke mm-hmm. so you kind of lose the benefit he was supposed to bring but like octoramus kind of keeps that side of it so she's a better position there but th- this is all stuff we'll talk about a lot more in uh, destiny's way so. right yeah we got we've got a bit before we get there um i'm trying to think so so yeah the the, the party gets split we get jason uh tenoka zek and anya they go to Mon Calamari and they meet Silgal. I like that they meet met Silgal. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but then they just really go underwater. Not a whole lot happens. Kind of disappointing. Um, especially disappointing to not have the whole crew together. Like the final book, the whole crew should be together tackling one big yeah. boss. 
Um, like, even the kids don't realize that they're all doing something until 91% mm -hmm. into the book. Kind of sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because they think that Jace, Jane has just had a relaxing day. Yeah. And then on um, Jaina, who, of course, is on Kessel. Uh, because on uh, MTD. Yeah, because Anya goes to Kessel first. Um, at least give it. At least give Jane a Zek. Like, Jane and Zek should have stayed together. But anyway, yeah. um, they're foiling a plot that Black Sun is trying to initiate against the entire New Republic, where apparently they've got, like, sleeper agents embedded in all the new republic and they're going to send out a uh, a hidden signal to activate them it kind of reminded me a bit of um the new rebellion yeah when they got the droids with the, like the the like the i think they're bombs in them but well speaking of new rebellion and that could be uh we could be talking about that soon i, I i'm sorry i mean we could we could be are we skipping <laughs> no we'll get to it um we'll get to it eventually but are, are we leaving it out of the uh, the in order read through would it be next is it before Krellian? it'll it'd be next if i have my books in the right order it'd be next then the Krellian trilogy i might be missing some in that order hold on timeline uh yeah look at that because i have i might be just i might just not own some of them I, I think I have all the ones after Endor. So I think that's what it is. Tyrant says, New Rebellion, then Ambush at Corellia. So New Rebellion is next. So is that what we're doing next, or are we jump, Are we doing Ronin next? Well, we could do either of those. We could do we could do New Rebellion, we could do uh, the Corellian Trilogy, or we could do Ronin. Well, I think we should do New Rebellion before Corellian Trilogy. Okay. As much as I don't want to do it, like, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. Yeah, because Ronin, uh, did it release today? No, two days ago. Yeah, Ronin's out by now. Mm, maybe I guess maybe we should do that next then. Maybe yeah. we'll do Ronin next and then we'll do Corellian, or sorry, we'll do Ronin and then we might need a break of something non-book related just because that's a lot of reading. Yeah, um, I think New Rebellion is relatively long. Uh, and like the the weeks that we do have like the full novels it does take yeah a, a bit out of our schedules so yeah um so yeah maybe we'll do new rebellion then do i don't know it's gotta be something like a comic or we'll, we'll find something yeah, we could uh we could even jump back and do some like old republic comics or something mm -hmm. yeah that's a good call but anyways uh when they were being hunt so the the Mon Calamari party is, they go to this resort city, basically, they get mm. their sub, and they get attacked mm. by the giant squid on Andrus Spice, and mm. the squid, they think that the squid thinks that it's killed them, or mortally wounded them, which Why is supposed to be Why would the squid give a shit? Yeah. Like, you'd think then it would eat them. Yeah. It rather like, like, oh, it's leaving because it thinks it's killed us. Like, is it just doing this for fun? Yeah, I thought for sure that was going to be Jason does his ultimate uh, animal talk, but... See, that could have been cool. Yeah, but the squid gets high. I was going to be pacified by a young Jedi knight, but then I got high. Yeah, because as far as they know, they're just hunting down Anya mm -hmm. and then shutting down the transmitters and the spice cells that mm -hmm. they, they find, but... Mm -hmm. But yeah, um... This, the squid was a weird thing. I, I don't... It's it's like... For me, it's like the squid... You shouldn't have your last book where you're just having an enemy just to take up time. You know what I mean? Like well, everything... The squid, the yeah. The squid did more than Sethros did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean... It was just like a side quest. Yeah. You know no, I mean? the, I, I'm agreeing with you. Like the, the yeah. squid took up more time than Sethros oh, did. Oh, yeah. More time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. I don't mean he was, he was like more integral to the plot of the series than Sethros. And, like, the way the squid is dispatched, and it's not really, it's just, like, none of the characters actually do anything. No. They just kind of survive. The squid goes and gets high. Um, maybe gets horny for, like, a lady squid or something. Like They I don't, don't know warn what... anyone back at the scene. It's like, yeah, like, like, there's, like, there's a fucked up giant squid down there, and he's horny. It like... took him a lot of drugs. A <laughs> yeah. dangerous amount of drugs. <laughs> like, he's, he's super high. Like, yeah. 
They're like, well, hope for the best. <laughs> so this is just a resort where people ordinarily go underwater. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of weird, too, where it's like, oh, is there really stuff that big down here? Stuff like that? What, what was that? Oh, we don't fucking know. Yeah. It's not like people go here. Oh, wait, everyone goes here all the time, and it's like the most widely... Re- there, there's so many people that want to go under here, we can't keep up with the submarines. Yeah. It's not like Earth where, like, humans are everywhere but we don't live in the water like the mon cow and the corin they're in the water all the time that's kind of their whole shtick mm-hmm. so you'd think that they'd have at least a a better idea of which ginormous creatures exist down in the in the sea i think the squid's kind of pissed off because like mon calamari at this point has been bombed by dala it's been attacked by palpatine yeah. probably some other stuff that i'm just not thinking of so like it's probably just grouchy you know how they have some of those uh, like debris reclamation programs around coral mm-hmm. reef to like turn sunken ships into mm-hmm. uh, new coral reefs? Do you think they do that with the crashed star destroyers on Mon Cal? I swear there was something like that, but probably. I mean, you gotta do something with them, right? I'm trying to think. Is there anything about that like when they visit Mon Cal Murray in the Jedi Knight trilogy? Because I know like Akbar's kind of just, or sorry, Jedi Academy trilogy. Because Akbar's kind of just. He's become a welder, from what I remember. <laughs> I don't think so, because that was uh, that would have been when the attacks on Mon Cal happened. But it was, but he was helping Empire to recover from happened. Dark Empire, yeah, because yeah, that's why he's there. Yeah, uh, I don't think that would. That, I'd have to look again. I don't remember that being explicitly mm-hmm. said, but maybe he was doing that. Also, can we take a look at the cover? Uh, young Jason Soul looks a lot like uh, Kylo Ren. Oh, yeah, a little bit. So. Yeah, so you're saying uh, when we get uh, Legacy of the Force movies, Adam Driver plays Darth Cadis? <laughs> I can't see it. I can't see it. <laughs> Who plays uh, Jaina there? Mm. I'm going to look up any Jaina solo fan cast. There's someone I'm thinking of, but I don't know who it is. Mm. Me neither. I'm trying to, who would be a good Jaina solo? I'm just I'm just seeing like what the what the people is have that, said. Is that me or you? Oh, what? That is me. What is this? Liv setup Tyler as Darth Lumaya? What? I don't I don't know about that. Margaret Qualley as Jaina Solo fell. Ah, I kinda like that actually. Look up Margaret uh Qualley, Q U A L L E Y. Q-U-A-L-L-E-Y. Yeah. (laughs) Or what about that um, actress from Lord of the Rings? What's her name? Um, Uh, Is that Kieran Knightley? No. No. I don't know. There there are some good options, though. Um, As stimulating as... Yeah, Actually, Kira Knightley wouldn't be that bad. No, no, I could see it. I think I think that's a decent one. I think that's a decent one. Who would you? I don't know if I can believe Nub? Kira Knightley and Adam Driver as twins, though. Who would yeah. play Nine Nub? I well, is his original actor still alive? I don't know. Is the suit still in better conditions? Mike, I guess there's the he's in he, he dies in episode nine. So yeah, like of all the characters in this book, other than like Luke. And I guess Han and Leia, like, Nine Nub is the one that's a movie character, so everyone else mm-hmm. here needs to take a seat. Yep. Um, also, that reminded me, we, the Nine Nine Nub has, still has the, uh, he's still controlling Kessel by Fate of the Jedi, because they go there, remember? They, like, fly yep. through the the caves or whatever, and that's when, like, Abeloth is, like, breaking out, and, like, yeah. yeah. Well, they've relocated an entire Celestian colony there, so he better. Mm-hmm. Also, I liked how, uh, what's his name, was defeated. He, like, slips on some bug guts and falls into the carbonite freezer. Yeah. It was, like, little Looney Tunes defeat. Like, none of the main characters had anything to do with why they got why they got out of this situation. Well, they have the, uh, the security hacking. That, that helps let people know what's happening. Mm-hmm. So, good for them. Mm-hmm. And then they can interrogate him later. Like, Anakin's plan at the end, Anakin suggests that they... Beam out the instructions to worlds one at a time. They and brute make them force all everyone. Yeah. yeah, that is not a good idea. Eventually, the no. the word will get out. Maybe you do it once on one planet, but yeah, and then torture them. Yeah. 
So was everyone just like humoring Anakin? Do you think that's what? And then Anna and I was like, okay, get the fucking kid out of here. Yeah. It's like Leia's like, and Leia was out all night working on Anakin's plan. Leia's just like getting drunk as fuck, like <laughs> with Han. <laughs> and it's like Anakin's knocking at the door like, mommy, don't forget to call Coruscant. She's like, yeah, I will. <laughs> uh, I did a video the other day about how um, nepotism in the New Republic and stuff. And how like Mon Mothma just, it's like, the New Republic's supposed to be democratic. I don't remember too many elections. <laughs> yeah, like, the Black Fleet Crisis is mostly just a book about how executive overreach can be used to wind your way into power. Is that yep. what it is? Yep, and how um, how declaring war is obviously always the good opportunity to get out of uh, criticism. Yeah. Um, like, like, Mon Mothma is, like, dying, and, like, Princess Leia is just made the chief of state. Mm-hmm. And then Princess Leia goes on vacation and like Mon Mothma's chief of state again for a while. Punk Gaversum is like holding the position for her for a while. Like When does when does the Mon Mothma return happen? Um I thought that was supposed to be in Black Fleet Crisis, but it didn't happen in there. So I Maybe it's the new rebellion? No, because the whole thing there is Han is thought to have blown up the Mon Mothma. I I can't remember. Um I know she's in that picture of the, uh, she's in the picture at the time of the Thrawn duology, but I don't think she's actually there. No, because she's, like, mostly dead by then. Um, uh, oh, yeah, during the Almanian Uprising, so that is during Queller, the, uh, yeah, yeah. Rebellion. Yeah. And then maybe Krillian Trilogy as well. So. No, in the Krillian Trilogy, she basically tells, like, Luke and Lando, go get Oh, made. yeah. Oh right, that's when that's Lando dates was. the, when Lando starts dating vampires. Yeah, like a big plot in the Corellian trilogy is trying to find Lando a wife. Yeah, that Lando is the Luke to... and Lando subplot, which is so much better than their separate plots in Black Fleet mm -hmm. Crisis, because mm -hmm. it, it's kind of hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Is that just the first book, or is that like the entire thing? I think it happens because oh, the they entire meet. Thing. Well, they meet, uh, they meet what's Tendra her name? Tendra, and then she kind of helps out, I think. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Tendra has a rich dad, so that was the. And she's very entrepreneurial as well. Yes. Um, yeah. The Younger. Lando looks for. I'm pretty sure she pumps out a kid in her 60s as well, but it's fine. Not a big yeah. deal. Well, what Lando's 80 by then, so. Lando's sperm is just that strong that it can defeat. A woman's natural aging process apparently that's like the that's like yeah How? that's like something that that an, a man who doesn't understand biology would believe like huh she doesn't think she can get pregnant anymore because she's 60 she tried banging me <laughs> confidently incorrect <laughs> yeah the their kid is born like he's got a name and it's lando, lando jr yeah, around the same time that jason is sithing out and he's like yeah. 40 Lando's older than Han, isn't he? By a couple years, they're oh, around yeah, the same yeah. age. Yeah, but it's kind, it's kind of weird to me that Lando Junior doesn't get any. Um, he doesn't get any play, really, does he? Mm -mm. Too young, because like even yeah. Alana barely gets any. But I mean, like Alana could be like hanging out with with Lando. Um, I know Lando has a daughter in canon. Um, she's like missing her dead but yeah yeah i can't remember well, if he had a son too i don't think so the new luke and lando book is going to be like before seven of that something to do with that so that book actually sounds kind of fun yeah it's like it it's kind of like something that could happen i think we talked about it a bit last episode but it does reminds me of like a b plot for a bantam era star wars novel yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, is there anything else really in the book to talk about? Any last thoughts on their accomplishments? I don't think so. I mean, overall, I the series was uh, the series was good. Like, I'm really gonna miss it. Uh, yeah. The last book was a bit disappointing, but it is what it is. As an individual book, it was fine. It's just as the the series yes. finale, uh, I really wish we would have had a bit more of them together. But yeah, yep, agreed. All right, so do we want to get to some questions 
before yeah if we... you want to read some questions i'm going to check some reviews real quick all right so i'm going to open an email from tristan who says i just came back from navy boot camp about a month ago and finally able to get back into the swing of things regarding tabcaf and the whole community nice. this question is more for Corey, though probably applicable to egg as well when making videos do you guys subconsciously or not lean towards your past professions I remember Corey mentioning in past political science and ex-pass as a lawyer. Uh, do you guys use these lenses and experience to analyze the Star Wars universe from the viewpoint of your respective careers or professions? I ask this because I watch you guys mainly for your more unique retellings of the old EU that isn't just a rehash or rewrite of the story in your own words, but rather actual in-depth commentary that subjectively sort of explains events through these lenses. So do you ever lawyer your way into videos? Um, I mean, it's kind of like... Once you learn how to think a certain way, you kind of just think that way. Yeah. Like, law school really doesn't teach you... I mean, you do learn a few specific niches of law, but it's just like... It's like any education. You're really more learning how to read a certain way and think a certain way. So, I think for me, it, like, it impacts how I like think of a topic in my head and like the angles I come from and how I structure an argument. But like, generally, I don't necessarily... Uh, focus on like legal aspects in Star Wars, but I do like to kind of go that way when I can, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Like for me, one of the reasons I started the channel, uh, started Datapad was because I kind of missed writing essays and I wanted to do something more like that. Uh, mm -hmm. And I haven't really done many videos that are quite that way. It's something I do want to do more of, but it, it does kind of impact how I look at Star Wars. Because one of the reasons I got into Star Wars in, in general was because it's this whole broad history. And even if there's contradictory or incomplete sources, that's not super different from how you'd be looking at uh, trying to figure out historical records. It, it's not quite mm. the same because historical records are like a bunch of different things all pointing to one thing that actually happened with Star Wars. None of it actually happened, believe it or not. So there's no real correct answer there. Mm -hmm. uh, but, no, that's a good point. I think, like, sorry, continue. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, yeah, I I do want to do like pretty explicitly political thought oriented videos in the future, which I'm sure the comments on all of those will be delightful. I I think you got a good point. Like, it is really fun, and that's something you do in law a lot as well. Like when you're looking for like either one piece of whether it's like Hansard or like case law or legislation or whatever, you're just looking for one thing that fits your argument. And that's, that's something you do a bit with, like, Star Wars, especially when you're, like, there is the kind of similar feeling of, like, going through an old case or an old yeah. whatever and going through an old source book. It, it, I was thinking today, like, when I was talking about, I was having that argument about um, Tolkien, like, it would be a lot more fun if you were doing, like, a Tolkien, like, channel because yeah. there's so much obscure stuff to go through and... yeah. I wonder if there is that you think there's more volume of writing from Tolkien than the Star Wars EU? No, like Probably Tolkien not. didn't do quite that well, much, but there's like additional notes. And yeah, I mean, including like his notes and the stuff like his son his published. Notes. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's not really anywhere near the same volume, but there's a lot of depth to it, a lot of density. Because mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. there's the Silmarillion, which is just fact after fact after fact after fact after it's fucking. If you have problems sleeping, just crack open the Silmarillion and you're good. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and just like the depth in writing the languages for the universe and how he meant to map it to certain things. But yeah. then you also get into a lot of like problematic. This is written at a time where, yeah. But, yeah. uh, there, like, it's one of the other things for me reading any Star Wars series is also thinking about like, what kind of cultural context it was written in because mm -hmm. it's hard for me to read njo and not think about uh certain like 90s political thought that was going on which was based on like the broader world like uh the clash of civilizations by samuel huntington after the after fukuyama wrote uh the end of history where it almost seems like the yuzon vong and the way the njo was written was playing off certain ideas about how uh, civilization would move forward, some of which were better than others, but it, even if it's not intentional, there are always elements of that. Like, it's impossible mm -hmm. to write something that is devoid of political context, mm -hmm. which is why when people say, oh, there, you shouldn't put it politics into your thing, even if you don't have an explicit political message you're trying to tell with something, 
when you are writing anything, whatever setup you're using has some element of political life implicit in the setup. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah, that was yeah. the old kind of argument against fantasy was like, well, science fiction and fantasy, but largely like fantasy just based on like, I, I think it was like Christopher Hitchens called fantasy sexless and for children when like, and the whole argument was that it's it's not presenting anything that has to do with our real world, so it's it's a useless literature. But then, like you know, modern understanding of that is just that, yeah, it's like maybe it's not as explicit as like you know a Vietnam War book, but you can have just as much like political thought and just as much commentary. And in fact, like you can use like the fact that these are hypothetical worlds or you know fantasy worlds to you know to tell things in a different way, you know. Well, because you can play some of these ideas out. Yeah, like, I think the idea that fantasy uh, is in any way devoid of that is it's it's really almost like it's taking the most basic young adult fantasy as the mm. sole example of it. But like, even in any of that, you can see the same things present. Like, if you look at uh, the NJO versus High Republic, you're going to get a very mm-hmm. different idea of what's going on at the time that those are written like you probably wouldn't have the high republic written in the 90s and the way that the njo was written probably wouldn't be the same now Mm -hmm. yeah it's definitely like a a thought i don't ascribe to and but there's been like a lot of kind of discussion about that i guess i I just find it interesting how people are so willing to write off yeah the, the genre like genre literature i guess yeah um yeah so that'll be an interesting thing for you to talk about when we do NJO. Don't not talk about it because I'm too dumb to understand it. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, thank you, Tristan. Our mm-hmm. next email comes from Justin saying, So, given how they're in canon, what would your reaction be to seeing the Zan Consortium appear in the Book of Boba Fett? Given what little information we've gotten, suggested we'll focus on the criminal underbelly and more specifically a fight over the remains of Jabba's criminal empire. Feel it would be the place most fitting to bring them into a more prominent light. Yeah, I mean, I could see there being a lot of little name drops like that. I don't think they'll be in a prominent light because I don't think they're quite as interesting as some of the more established criminal factions or even like yeah. corporations. Like Zerka is one. I think they're still around. I know they're in canon, but I don't know if they're. But yeah, I I, I think they could get name dropped. I don't see them being a, a big part of the show though. I, I would be happy for, for them to be, but I don't expect that like. It would be similar to how yeah. they were in Legends. I'd be like, I wouldn't hate a name drop, but I don't think there's really going to be. I don't think we're going to get uh, Tyrazan showing up, stealing the, the Eclipse. What's his What's his name? Uh, the Lucius Malfoy actor who got <laughs> traced for the image of Tiber. <laughs> oh, what is it? Um, it's James. Uh, blah, blah, blah. It's, uh, I'll tell you. J- oh, Jason Isaacs. Jason Isaacs. Right. Yeah, there we go. I completely forgot that was him. Not Oscar Isaac. No. But, yeah. I, I mean, I, I like the guy, so if we actually got that, that could be cool. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think there's anyone who's making a Star Wars show that's, like, that high profile and is told, uh, like, that's not going to choose to do their own things over, like, oh... Let's bring in Tiber fucking Zahn. I just imagine like it's like this big it's like this big meeting of Disney execs and like the whole team, Disney, Lucasfilm, Star Wars Story Group, and the, the director comes in. He just he's he he's got this thing in his hand and like, like what's that? What's that? Just slaps down a copy of Star Wars Empire War Forces of Corruption. It's like it's the moment y'all been waiting for and everyone just starts fucking cheering. It's like Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nope. With like the X-Wing series, like maybe, like yeah. a few people would like, yeah, be pretty, pretty hyped, but <laughs> yeah. As long as like we need to get a live action shot of some of the ships from Forces of Corruption, that'll be what, it, what I yeah. think is definitely going to happen. And the bird. Yeah, well, Uri is an unironically good character that needs to be used more. Mm. That That's my hot take for the day. Yeah. Our next email comes from Seamus who says, I have a short question about Jason Solo. Do you think Jason was suffering from some sort of trauma condition after the Vong War? 
Given all he went through and how drastically he changed by Dark Nest, I think it's pretty clear in the subtext of Legacy of the Force in Dark Nest that Jason is suffering from a trauma condition. For example, he's extremely impulsive, especially with Force visions, and he has a growing inability to trust others. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts regarding the matter. As always, keep up the great work and have a wonderful day. You're the Jason guy, so I'll go first because mine will be a little shorter. I don't see him... Like I, th I think he's more afraid rather than having any sort of like PTSD or anything. I mean, like I don't, I don't want to... I don't want to diagnose something that I don't understand, but for me, I think he's just more afraid of there being another big war and like the galaxy being torn apart and like what the future is like for his children and, and his family and his friends. Like maybe that's because of like the torture he received, but I think it's probably more generally just because he's survived this war. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I think there's a lot of elements of that, but there's also, uh, there's kind of a bookended thing in NJO for Jason with the vision mm -hmm. he has of like the galaxy on the tipping point and then he mm -hmm. drops the lightsaber that bothers him throughout all of that, that I think also contributes to how he feels about his vision of Alana and what's going to happen where like he, he sees himself in a really weird way after the war of being like, he's, he's still kind of trapped in thinking whether he should uh, use his powers to in any way direct the galaxy or just kind of like, sit back and seek knowledge for knowledge's sake mm -hmm. as a jedi he's not clear on the jedi's role in the galaxy he does his like five years away and misses out which on i wish would have been a book series like a more covered yeah. in the books that would have been cool uh but yeah we like, kind of get have, it from luke and ben but yeah sorry yeah i think all that does kind of play into him mm -hmm. just super overreacting to the vision he gets and feeling like i i'm the only one that can do anything about this because like me and maybe Luke are the most powerful Jedi, and now I need to act because I know what would happen if I didn't in the Vong War. Mm -hmm. And, like, visions are... I think that was something that was intentionally used by Troy Denning, like, the visions that were there versus the visions that he had in NJO. Mm -hmm. No, that makes sense to me. I, I, I can get behind that. So there's definitely some... I think all of them... If everyone left the end, the Yuzon Vong War with PTSD, that would be entirely understandable as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Vong are scary, yeah. especially like they, they don't like killing. They like torturing, and pain. So they get off on it. Do you think, yeah, there's definitely a, at least like most Vong were probably rock and boners like for most of the war. Yeah. Uh, our final question for the night comes from Christopher, who says early in the podcast for Shards of Alderaan, I asked what your opinion of the main character of the series were and how you would rank them from favorite to least favorite. Having read mm. through the entirety of the series, what is your opinion on development of the main cast and where they stand in your personal enjoyment? I would have liked to see a bit more development. Um, I think Loey gets Lois. shafted quite a bit. Um, okay. you th were you going to say the opposite? Were you going to say he gets good development? I don't know that he gets good development, but I feel like he ends up with the most layers of the four of them almost by the end. Yeah, I, He's yeah, the I least guess, one note somehow. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, yeah, I guess for me, what I'm ascribing or what, what I'm what I'm calling um, development is like relationship development. I guess yeah. where Loie does kind of personally go through some stuff. Um, like I, I do like the relationship development between Zek and Jaina and uh, Jason Tenelka. I would have liked to see that taken to a bit more. I, th I think Tenelka is the most different personality-wise from the end. Maybe yeah. for me. Um, and I like her character, uh, just generally though, I think Jason's still my favorite. Um, yeah, probably Jason. Uh, I actually really end up really liking Tenelka at the end cause I like their dynamic and then Jaina and Zach and then probably Loey, but I, I liked all of them, all the main five. Yeah. I, I'd probably go like in terms of overall favorite in the series, it'd be, uh, Jason, Tenelka, Loey. Jaina Zach. Like Jason Jaina when she's there, I like a lot more. She'd probably mm -hmm. be up there, maybe even more than Jason. Mm -hmm. But after like the halfway point, she just kind of gets shoved to the side a lot. Yeah. Which is it's really weird because they don't even like they don't even interact that much together, yeah. like the twins, which I think is kind of a missed opportunity. Because like one thing that I was kind of disappointed at, because I remember this differently as a kid, I remembered the um I remember the the twins having a lot more interaction and much a lot more kind of uh, 
like stuff with their bond, but that's only really brought yeah. up in the first arc. Uh, I would have, and that's probably why I didn't remember it, but or why I remembered it differently. But yeah, yeah. Like the Shadow Academy arc is definitely the best for, uh, for definitely the two of them, maybe even all four of them, because after that you get a lot more of the secondary character taking the spotlight in a lot of the books mm. yep. to I think the detriment of those four where like you yep. get a lot of Reynard then you get a lot of Anya yeah uh, there's too much of them I don't hate that they're there I just I think they got a bit too much mm-hmm. attention compared to the main cast no I I, I totally agree with that uh, that's why yeah. I like the books being a little bit longer and having like I always talked about having adventures before the adventures that's where like that would have helped in some of those books that didn't have them, and then the books that did are the ones I end up liking more. Yeah. All right. Uh, any final thoughts? We've got some Mirio no. to did do. Did we answer? Uh, Charlie didn't schedule it for the wrong time or the right time. So oh, did he? Okay. If he did nine forty or eight forty-five. So if there's any more emails, we can answer some. Uh, okay. We got one more here that I was going to skip. Uh, this one comes from Dortha, who says, "Hey." came across your YouTube channel, I must say I'm very impressed with your work and how you started. But I must say, there's a lot of work to do on it, and maybe you could use some help with boosting those statistics really? and reaching out to more Dortha. Okay. I understand it's a hard thing to do, but maybe our services might solve the issue. And you'll wow, be she emailed me today, no too. So, uh, that is linkredacted.com. Uh, Mighty views, presumptuous of you, Dortha. $2.80 per 500 views? Oh my god. That's terrible. Five dollars per hundred subscribers, a dollar I mean, fifty remarkable, per hundred likes. The rem- remarkable thing is we don't even have a YouTube channel for this. So, yeah, like that went to the Tap Cap Transmissions YouTube channel. I, I don't know where people are getting this from. I don't know if it's because I have the e- I'm. It might I have be the email linked in some places. It might be right, so. it's also in the video descriptions. Yeah. Um, so I'd say those are getting crawled or whatever. Um, so. Thank you, Dortha. Uh, go fuck yourself. Dortha, say that to my face. Honestly, I fucking dare you. Dortha, say I can do better. I dare you. It's not worth it. She's not worth it. Hold me back. She's not worth it, Justin. She's not worth it. I will again apologize also for last week's. I haven't even uploaded last week's episode. I'm going to do it. Well, I've got to edit it. I'm going to do it right after this finishes. But yeah, we, we had some audio issues last week. I think the last probably half or so is pretty good. And I think my audio... Is, does it sound good tonight? Yeah, you sound fine tonight. Okay. Um, I'm still working on some... Or I'm just some... used to it being shit. I don't know. No, I think I think it does sound... Because the videos have been sounding good. Um, but yeah, so sorry about that, guys. Um, yeah, I think I... it was just Discord. It was like, Discord, because all you had was... those... Yeah, you had those connection problems that you didn't lie to me about, so... Well, it was the noise floor. It was too low. Okay. And I, cha- I also did change it on my mic a bit, so my... My voice is hopefully a little bit richer, so that shouldn't happen anyway, but just in case, I've got... Yeah. All right. Well, uh, if, unless there's something else, Ronin next week, is that what oh, we're committing I, to? Yeah, I, we did get one review as well. Oh, we did? I'll just go Sweet. ahead and read. Yeah. Um, this, I think, was a reference to something. He said, as a cr- This was from C. Mober. He says, A great comfort. As a crab across the field, this is a great comfort and distraction from the pain from carrying my tenor drums. So either he was having a stroke or there was a word I asked viewers to throw in and I forgot. <laughs> we did ask for crabs, I'm pretty sure. Okay. So thanks. Well done, Seamober. Appreciate it, buddy. All right. Thank you. And thank you all. And to all, a good night. This has been Yellow Dog Man. Joined, as always, by Fake Star Wars Explained. Guys, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave a... Listen, you're not leaving enough reviews? We're going to have a problem. And remember, we're we're going to have a problem. Let's have a moment of silence. We're going to have a big problem. We're going to have a big problem. If I see any of you guys in person, and you guys come up to me, and and you say, oh, I'm a big fan of Tapcalf Transmissions, and say, oh, what did you rate it on the iTunes store? And you say, oh, I, I never got around to do it. it it's not going to be good. So before we go, I have been thinking like, oh, if I ever wear my Eckhart's Ladder t-shirt out in public and someone recognizes that, but they don't recognize me, how am I going to feel about that? And I don't think it's going to be good.
I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I don't want to wear a shirt that's more famous than me. <laughs> you ever wear the Nike logo? Eckhart's Ladder's right up there, baby. Nike logo in terms of brand awareness, well, Eckhart's Ladder does. The thing that made me think of it was, like, I have this Hurley shirt on, but it, it kind of reminds me of my Eckhart's Ladder shirt. Cause it's got the I was thinking that, the... too. No, I was thinking that, too. Yeah, I totally see it. So, I, you're going to have to talk to your lawyer, but... Do you wear it out in public? Your shirt? No, yeah. I've never done it yet. It's very comfy, though, so I wear mm -hmm. it at home sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's not... For merch shirts, it's not bad because it's like yeah. it's just a simple like it's not like Charlie's big fucking mug in your face or something yeah. like or like Keemstar who probably just sells a picture of his asshole as a shirt like it's or not the like X two shirt where it kind of looks like pajamas. It doesn't matter. No one buys them anyway. <laughs> it's been like six total sales and five of them are me. The other one is Charlie. Charlie's girlfriend. <laughs> no, you, you no, think I buy Charlie's. Anyways, uh. Yeah, so that that's all the relevant stuff for the podcast tonight. We are going to be doing Birio Kart in 20 minutes, I think it is. 20 minutes. Charlie scheduled it wrong. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Next week, Ronin, right? Are we committing to that? Yep. Ronin. 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 Bye. Goodbye.